Well, hey there, Penguin Trekkies. Welcome and happy First Contact Day. If you did not already know, April 5th today, as the making of this podcast, is First Contact Day. Now, what is that? Well, for the non-Trekkie informed, First Contact Day is the day in which Zephyrin Cochran, the inventor of the warp drive technology in Star Trek, on April 5th of the year 2063 in Bozeman, Montana, met the Vulcans after his historical first warp flight. This can be all seen in the movie called Star Trek VIII First Contact. And today in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about that movie and also any other thoughts I might have about First Contact Day. So set your phasers on fun, shields up, and let's beam into yet another great podcast from yours truly, a little Trekkie penguin, about my favorite sci-fi show, Star Trek. You're listening to Penguin Thoughts. These are the thoughts that penguins are thinking when they were thinking that they were thinking about the thoughts they were thinking when they were thinking them. That is, we think. Hailing frequencies are open, Trekkies, and I'm going to talk today about Star Trek VIII, First Contact, and also a little bit about how important First Contact Day is. I'm not going to recount detail upon detail of the movie. I do suggest, however, that you go and watch it, and I'm sure you can find the movie on all the major streaming platforms. I am, however, going to discuss a few key observations after my re-watching again of I don't know how many times of the movie. Spoiler alert, if you have not seen the movie Star Trek VIII First Contact, this podcast is going to talk in depth about parts of the movie and my thoughts on it. So if you don't want to spoil the movie for yourself, then you might might want to pause the podcast, go watch the movie, grab some good popcorn with plenty of butter and salt, by the way, and then come back after the movie to the podcast after you're done and listen to the rest of this podcast. So you've been warned. Anyway, so the movie opens with Captain Picard taking a nap, and in a dream, he is reliving his Borg experience as Locutus from the TNG series back in Season 3 of an episode entitled The Best of Both Worlds, where the Borg captured and assimilated Captain Picard and then called him the Locutus. In the dream in the movie, Picard relives parts of that assimilation process into Locutus, and more importantly, how he felt and how they stripped away his humanity and who he was as a person. Which, by the way, I believe this is crucial to this whole movie, and it becomes and plays out a part of Picard's motivations and his actions throughout this whole movie. Next, we see that Picard is awoken by Admiral Hayes from his dream, who informs him via subspace that DS-5 has detected the Borg on its way and is very close to entering Federation space. 
But instead of sending the Enterprise, the flagship of the fleet, Starfleet decides to send the Enterprise to patrol the Romulan neutral zone, mainly because I think they don't have confidence in Picard. Because of his personal experience with the Borg, Starfleet feels that he could become a liability. Although I've also always personally thought the Starfleet, at the very least, could have used Picard as a resource to combat the Borg. Next, we see the crew of the Enterprise on the bridge listening in on what's happening as Starfleet engages the, engages the Borg cube and, of course, starts losing. It doesn't go well. So Picard decides to defy his orders of patrolling the Romulan neutral zone and redirects the Enterprise to Earth to join the fight. And just like most Star Trek great captains, they go with their gut, even if that means at times they have to defy orders for the greater good. Next, we see a part of the movie that I find so cool. Once again, we see Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander Worf in command of the USS Defiant in the middle of the battle against the Borg cube. And things aren't going well for the Defiant or for any Starfleet vessel for that fact. Uh, when the Enterprise finally shows up and decides uh, to beam aboard the crew of the Defiant because the Defiant is dead in the water, so to speak. And uh, so I personally think that's how they, it's a plot point, how they got Worf back on the, the Enterprise. But nevertheless, I love it because I love Worf. Uh, just to note, though, the Defiant's a tough little ship. It, yeah, it was damaged, but not damaged completely. It wasn't destroyed. Next, we see Admiral Hayes and his in his ship, who, by the way, he's leading the whole charge here, the whole leading the whole fleet against the Borg. Admiral Hayes' ship is destroyed. So Picard decides to take command of the fleet and orders the fleet to fire all their weapons at the same time on a non-critical part of the board cube. I know that because Data says, wait a minute, that part doesn't really do a whole lot. Well, it works and it destroys the cube. To me, this just once again shows just how much of an intimate knowledge that Picard has of the inner workings of the Borg. To some part of the Borg cube that was totally innocuous that you wouldn't seem like would be all that critical, yet it was able to... to uh, be attacked because of Picard's knowledge and they destroyed the cube because of it. All this because because Picard was assimilated and now he's using that knowledge from his de-assimilation, I guess that's what you call it, uh, using that knowledge to take the fight back to the board. But of course, just like in most movie tropes, but right when the board cube is destroyed, that's not the end of the story. The board launch a sphere to escape and they want to start to travel back in time to me though that little part felt kind of odd because it felt like the Bork having some sort of an escape plan just didn't seem right I've never really known the Borg to have a plan for when things don't go their way they always seem to have that forethought or knowledge or, or belief that what they're doing is never going to get stopped that resistance is futile and a simulation is going to happen where you like, like it or not, deal with it. That they don't back down, they don't have a backup plan. So for them to have a sphere to be able to escape seemed kind of odd to me. But nevertheless, it, it was a trope to push the movie forward. So I'm okay with it. 
So basically, the Borg wants to go back in time and assimilate Earth and stop the launch of the first warp-capable ship from its flight, thereby stopping Earth from making first contact with the Vulcans and then stopping the formation of the Federation and the Starfleet in the first place. This is kind of the pretty much the whole plot of the main movie. So that kind of uh, had to use something to kind of move it forward. And the, and the Borg Sphere, traveling back in time, does that very well. Anyway, so continuing on, get, as you guessed, the Enterprise decides to follow the Borg Sphere back in time and figures out the plot by noticing that Earth, which is inhabited with billions of Borg, uh, and Starfleet is gone. They are able to notice this because they are following the Borg Sphere and they're stuck in this temporal wake of the Borg Sphere. They notice the timeline change for everyone else, but yet they're not affected because they're in this temporal wake. So that kind of sets up the whole plot, like I said, for the movie. The Borg Sphere gets off a few good shots after finally going back into the year 2063. They get off a few good shots from orbit and damage the uh, location in Boze, Bozeman, Montana, where the Phoenix, that's the warp-capable ship of Zephyr and Cochran's, is slightly damaged. And they were trying to do this to not only damage that ship, but probably also kill Zephyr and Cochran himself. But, of course, before too much damage is done, the Enterprise is able to destroy the Borg Sphere. And unbeknown to the Enterprise, right before the Borg Sphere is destroyed, the Borg were able to beam aboard at the last second aboard the Enterprise to try to do their best to take over the ship, to obviously continue their mission of assimilating all of mankind and thereby destroying the Federation. Anyway... So while the crew try and locate Zephyrin Cochran and also work to repair the warp ship, Dr. Crusher also beams away up to sickbay uh, Lily, a friend of Zephyrin Cochran's, who got hurt in the Borg Sphere attack. So then Picard leaves Riker in charge on Earth and why he goes back up to the Enterprise because he suspects something is wrong. The Borg have a specific way they do things and Picard knows that and has noticed it. It's amazing to me that Picard is able to pick up on the fact that the Borg are aboard the Enterprise by the change in temperature of the environmental systems of the Enterprise. It's actually raised by two degrees. It's starting to get warmer throughout the whole ship. Actually, 39.1 uh, degrees Celsius to be precise. Once again, to me, it further shows Picard's knowledge of the Borg is that of a very intimate and personal experience. Well, as usual with the Borg, things always go crazy. Crew get assimilated, so part of the Enterprise crew is being assimilated. Even Data at one point gets captured and eventually meets the Borg Queen. And eventually Lily separates from the medical staff that were taking care of her during the whole chaos of the Borg taking over the ship. And in that process, Louis actually runs into Picard and takes him hostage, which, to be honest, also felt a little bit of a stretch because a fully trained Starfleet captain who is subdued 
caught off guard and held at phaser point by a 21st century paranoid woman who is recovering from her injuries. The only thing I can figure is Picard is kind of distracted because he's got a laser focus on taking out the Borg and regaining control of his ship that maybe he doesn't always pay attention to what's going around him right now and that's how she kind of gets the drop on Anyway, it further pushes forward the, the story and it starts the basis for their meeting of Lily and Picard and eventually Picard gaining Lily's trust which is key later in a moment uh, when Worf suggests that the only way to truly stop the Borg is to blow up the Enterprise. And you guessed it, Picard did not want to do that. One of my favorite parts of the whole movie, and actually I think is one of the most critical parts of this whole movie, crucial parts of it, not critical, is when Picard goes into the observation lounge after getting into an argument with Worf about destroying the Enterprise. And then Lily follows him. Then we see Lily and Picard having a one-on-one conversation. And Picard, with all that he shared with Lily about his Borg experience, she finally puts it all together and makes a statement to Picard. Ahab has got to get his white whale. That reference is not lost on Picard. It's actually a reference from uh, a book that Picard holds dear to himself about Moby Dick by Herman Melville. But Picard's first initial reaction was he got upset. So much so he takes his phaser rifle and actually breaks a display of his little ships displayed in the observation lounge, still refusing to give up. Draws the line here and he says no further. I love it. Love that part. Then Lily starts to leave, but as she gets ready to leave, she says, see you around, Ahab. And Picard, I think it hit him like a ton of bricks. Because then he pauses and quotes part of Moby Dick by Henry Melville, where the Ahab and white whale thing comes from. I'm not going to quote that part of the book, But nevertheless, finally, Picard gets it. He walks out to the bridge and gives the order to evacuate the Enterprise and to start the self-destruct sequence. I see this as the most pivotal part of the whole movie. Picard has spent his whole Starfleet career, Starfleet career being composed and a proper captain and always in control until the Borg took that away from him. And ever since then, I noticed that Picard's story took a drastic turn. It's always been, from that point forward, him trying to regain control, to regain back his humanity. And First Contact, the movie, plays into that with this whole scene that we see here between Picard and Lily. Picard is so hurt so angry, so vengeful to what the Borg took from him that he will stop at nothing to get his white whale, so to speak. It took Lily to hold a mirror up to Picard to show him that once again, the Borg were still continuing to control him, control his actions, long after they assimilated. 
This is so true in life. Melville saw it when he wrote the Moby, Moby Dick book. And Louis saw it when she points it out to Picard. If we do not have forgiveness and try our best to choose to move past our hurts in our past and the pain and hurt will continue to control us. It's only when we let it go and forgive are we able to regain control and move forward. Just like Picard did when he realized he was just like Ahab and finally decided to blow up the ship to let go of hunting his white whale and finally move forward. Just like in so many episodes of Star Trek throughout the years, they always seem to have a very pertinent and important message about life. And to me, this movie is, yes, about trying to save First Contact and the Federation from a simulation, but more importantly, this movie is about the journey and struggle that Captain Picard has had and still having with the Borg, even long after he was assimilated and turned into Locutus, and then turned back into Picard again. The Borg still had control over him, up until the point he met Lily, and realized that he was still being controlled by what the Borg did to him, and for him to move forward meant he had to let it go, to let go of the pain, to let go of the hurt and the humiliation the Borg had caused him and stop hunting his white whale, the Borg. To me, this is the underlying and most important message that Star Trek VIII First Contact was trying to tell us. So I hope you do not just listen to this podcast and think it is just a review about, by some silly penguin about a Star Trek movie, but rather that you be like Picard and hopefully take the pain and hurt that maybe you have had in your lives, life in the past or even in the future and realize in order to move forward, we have to forgive those who hurt us and try to do our best to forget about those hurts and the pain and to let it go so we can move on. It's the only way we can move forward. Picard saw that. And that's what he ultimately did. That, to me, is the real Star Trek message here in this movie. Anyway, I'm not going to spoil the rest of the movie. Go watch it again, or maybe for the first time. And try to squeeze out all that sci-fi Trekky goodness out of this gem of a Star Trek movie. I hope this podcast has brightened your day just a little bit. I hope. And I hope I brought a little bit of fun on yet another First Contact Day. Anywho, I hope all you Penguin Trekkies decide to come back and listen to more podcasts from yours truly. And if you're so inclined, I also have a YouTube channel where I make rather silly videos as well as other social media sites, which are all linked on my Anchor podcast page. And I would greatly be honored if you would come and visit them and even like and subscribe to any of the content you find there. And as always, I'm the crazy and silly Star Trek penguin named What About Bob, and I'm out the airlock because engineering is busy running yet again another level 3 diagnostic on the Heisenberg compensators on the transport systems. 
Personally, I'm glad they're actually working on the Heisberg compensators. I wouldn't want my molecules scattered throughout the galaxy. Anyway, live long and prosper, Penguin Trekkies. Hailing frequencies closed.